Joshua chapter 13. Find your place there. And, uh, you know, it is a, it is amazing to see as we look to the Word of God how the Lord desires to give us all victory. And He desires to give that victory through us, through His power. But we also understand that there's an enemy. We also understand that there's opposition. I didn't go into it this morning. I didn't feel led. We'll get into it in our next message. But you notice that in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, uh, the word spirit is mentioned, I believe, 12 times. Well, as you read those verses, you'll also notice the word flesh is mentioned about 12 times. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think God is teaching us that where the spirit is, the flesh is there too. And the children of Israel found out very quickly that though they were going into the inheritance, the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had promised them and promised victory, it did not come without a fight. And daily is a, is a fight. It's a spiritual battle, is it not? And we don't resent that. We understand that's God. That's part of God's uh, program. That's part of God's design. Uh, as we live out the rest of our lives here on this earth until He calls us home, we we are we are in a battle, and we have arrived about the halfway point of the book of Joshua. You'll remember uh, last uh, time we did a uh, we looked at chapters 10 through 12, which was basically a recap. Joshua going through all the kings that they had conquered, all the, the, the great cities that they had conquered with the southern campaign. And then, of course, the central and then the northern campaign. And so there was a review there. And, of course, we see at the end of verse 12, there was a, a, a total of 31 kings uh, that were mentioned. And, and I'll mention this, I'll, I'll, I'll make reference to this again, but we need to understand that it was the major cities that the children of Israel conquered. The major fortresses, if you will, were conquered. Enough to give peace in the land. But, as we'll see as we continue studying through Joshua, there were still small towns and villages that would need to be brought under subjection. They would need to be conquered in the sense, but then it's going to be up to the individual tribes of Israel. And that's also a lesson for us. God has given us our little areas to conquer, our little areas to go forward in faith that we are responsible for. You have an area. You have a street that you live on. You have an office you work at. You, you have a school that you attend. You have a neighborhood. You and I have a, a, a place in life where God is calling us to go forward daily to conquer in the name of Jesus. And when I say conquer, I mean spiritual battle. I mean spiritual blessings that we are looking to receive as the Holy Spirit fills us and leads us. And so they, there will be that matter. But let's look together here. I don't know how far we'll get tonight, but we'll do our best. I want to save some uh, some sweet time there at the end, some good time for, for prayer. But notice with me in Joshua 13, 
Now, Joshua was old. That's I don't know how encouraging that is to you, but but Joshua was old and stricken or advanced in years. And the Lord said unto him, thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Please don't miss that last phrase. Yet there remaineth, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Friends, I got some encouraging words for you tonight. I don't know what season of life you're in. It really doesn't matter because God still got land for you to possess. He's got ground for you to cover. Joshua, as some scholars think, if you do the math, and I think it's pretty accurate, I don't know about to the year, but most would agree that he was about 90 years old. So if you're 90 and above, the Bible says you're old, okay? And it says you're advanced in years. Now, I'll take that as a compliment because you're more advanced than the rest of us, okay? You are advanced in experience. You are advanced in wisdom. And uh, you're just advanced, okay? And uh, but, but, but nevertheless, the... The age of Joshua was probably 90. And if you're curious of how you come up with that, well, we'll notice in the next chapter, we definitely won't get there tonight, but it does give the, the, the age of Caleb. So, you know, Caleb was promised as his inheritance, and the Bible says there that he was 85 years old. And, um, and if you do the math, uh, basically Caleb was 40 years old, when they went to spy out the land. And, and so basically what you have there is you have about 45 years in between uh, the time that they went to spy out the land to the section we're getting to now. That's about 45 years. And uh, it's interesting that 38 of those years were spent in the desert, wandering. And then there were seven years that... It took for them to complete the conquest, uh, going uh, central, then the southern campaign, and then the northern. Some people read those few chapters. It's like three chapters where it gives the full account. And people think, well, man, that must have been done in just a few months. Now, they did do it succinctly in the fact that they, they were... They were on it. They were on to the next and on to the next. It was strategic. It was done. But if you do the math, it took them approximately seven years to get through those towns, those fortresses, if you will, uh, the 31 that are mentioned in chapter 12. But nevertheless, God has said, now, Joshua, uh, there you are old and you are stricken in years, but there remaineth very much land to be possessed. So what do we have in chapters 13, uh, basically through 21? You could give the title of chapter 13 through 21, a division of the land. That will be a, again, strategic. It will be done in a way that is, is uh, not done today because of the dispensation we live in. It's different. But if you notice with me in the divisions of the land, notice with me in chapter 14, do you know how they divided the lands? 
it tells us. Notice that here in, in verse one, it says in the countries and these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan. And notice who's going to be present here. Eliezer, the priest. So you have the priest. You have Joshua, the son of Nun. He's the commander of the army. And then the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. So you have a head from each tribe and and uh, and to distribute it for an inheritance to them. And notice what they did. So you have the leaders together in verse two. By lot was their inheritance as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half tribe. And then, of course, uh, verse three tells us about the other two and a half tribes where it was already decided by Moses. And I'll speak about this tribe, uh, these two and a half tribes more here in just a moment. But it was done by lot. And we don't know a lot of details of how these lots worked. Some think that it's it's comparable to what we would have today as dice. And basically what they would do is they would pray. They would come together and they would cast these lots. Some think they were sticks, uh, uh, short and long sticks that were drawn. But the fact of the matter it was, what it was done, it was done uh, in faith that God would direct them to the right one. And uh, and we find uh, a proverb, for, of course, that's given in that. I don't have it right here in front of me, but I'll... Um, I'll read it to you. You're familiar with uh, Proverbs, perhaps 16. I believe it's, uh, is it 30, uh, 30, 16, 30? Casting lots. Somebody, does somebody know where that one is, that reference on the casting of the lots? But it is to the Lord. Somebody find it. Let me know later, okay? But I'm going to move on. But it gives the, it gives the teaching there uh, that, that God gives uh, the, 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 the leaders there in the Old Testament, especially the priest, and it's recorded about 70 times in the Old Testament where there are lots. Yes, Miss Kathy? It is? Okay, read that, Miss Kathy, 1633. Okay, the whole disposing thereof is, is of the Lord. So they're casting that, but they trust God to give specific direction. Well, that's how they're going to decide on where these tribes are. And uh, I have a map that um, I don't believe it's ready tonight, but I want to show you in our next message next Sunday night as we look at how they divided out the land and how God directed them. And that's where we are. So chapter 13 specifically deals with the ones that were already decided by Moses. And there's a reason behind that as well. You'll remember that the two and a half tribes were Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. Uh, they settled on the east side of the Jordan. And so there were two stages of dividing the land. They first covered uh, these, um, these tribes, uh, and you'll find that verses 8 uh, through 13 uh, gives an overview of, of these divisions. And then we'll notice that verse 14, as we'll give reference a couple times, the Levites, they, they did not have an inheritance. The Lord was their inheritance. Uh, now, they were given uh, cities to dwell in. They were given pastures to have their livestock in. They, they were given those things, but they did not have their own, their own region. Okay? But, uh, but nevertheless, uh, you have the Levites, and then verses 15 through 23, 
uh, gives us the description of Reuben's, uh, of his territory there. And, uh, and that's another, um, that's another message in itself, uh, talking about basically how he missed the blessing of the firstborn because of his sin. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about the tribe of Judah, because Judah is very significant, as we know. And uh, there was a reason, uh, of course, our Savior was born uh, through that tribe. But, uh, but nevertheless, you have Reuben, and then you also have Gad. Now, Gad is explained verses 24 through 28 in your Bibles of that region, of the borders. And then verse 29 uh, through 31, you have half the tribe of Manasseh. And, and so, again, we, we understand that this is, this is very important as we un- understand God's divine plan and putting these tribes in the different locations that they are. Now, you'll remember the two and a half tribes, the reason they did not go across was because they saw some wonderful pastures for their cattle. Now, let's remember this. It was God's will for every one of the tribes to cross the Jordan River, to cross over into the Canaan land. That was the inheritance that uh, God had picked out. But we're, we're going to see as we study through these next sections that God had promised them this land, uh, referred to as the Palestinian Covenant. It's, it belongs to Israel. It doesn't matter what other countries or sovereigns try to, to claim. God's given this land to His chosen people, and, uh, and it certainly ha- has given evidence of that through all the years. God has, has saw fit uh, to c- continue to show this world that there is something mighty special about Israel. God's chosen people. But nevertheless, He wants them to have the ownership of this land. It's a gift. It's grace. But there's one thing to have ownership. But you know it's another thing to have possession? You see, we can have ownership of something, but not truly possess it. Use it to its intent and to its design. And God has given them the land But it will be up to them by the choice of their will. It will be up to them to possess it. And friends, that same truth applies to us spiritually. God says, I'm giving you the land. But when you go in, you must present yourself as we preached and taught this morning. You've got to present yourself as a vessel. And you have to submit your heart unto me and allow me to live my life out through you. I'm going to uh, live my life victoriously through you. And he's going to lead the children of Israel. But nevertheless, back to the two and a half tribes, they did not want to enter in. And it's going to cause them some problems. It's going to cause them some real problems. They, this possession that they wanted of the eastern side of the Jordan was basically resting upon what was convenient for the tribes at that time. And I want to talk to you tonight with just a few minutes that we have on 
what are some ways that we can avoid the same mistake that they made? Now, in detail, we're not going to go through it, but in detail, they have this spelled out for us in Numbers 32. You could, you could note that, Numbers 32. And uh, again, I don't have the map for you right now. Oh, we do? Oh, wonderful. Let me uh, get this. Let me put that map up. And uh, see if we can. All right, there we go. All right, so these, this is, um, of course, the, the Jordan coming right down through here, right down the center. Of course, this is the eastern side. So the three tribes that, you know, uh, two and a half, excuse me, that decided to stay, uh, they're to the south here, Reuben and the center, Gad and East Manasseh. Uh, this is the eastern tribe right here. All right. Well, the issue at hand that they're going to run into, as we'll look together here in just a moment, is that it looked really good at the time just to stay there in the plains and whatnot. And so it was agreed upon that they they could go ahead. Moses said, all right, if that's what you want. But you have to, the agreement was, you have to go into the land of Canaan and fight with us. So that's what they did. They went in and they did fulfill that commitment. They did. And they went in and fought, and, uh, and once that was fulfilled and whatnot, they were said they could go back. When they go back, look what they have here uh, to the east of them, Ammon. All right? The Ammonites. Down here to the south, the Moabites. They're going to cause the children of Israel some major problems. And they didn't think upon that in detail like they should have because God wanted them to get into the promised land that we have here that the other tribes would go in and possess. And not just because they had ownership and to possess, but also to enjoy. God has given them the land to enjoy. Now, they will uh, enjoy great pastures, but you know what? They're not going to get God's best. And let me just make this very clear tonight. In case you ever wondered, God certainly wants his best for his children. If you agree to that, say amen. God is a benevolent father and his desire is to give us his best. Now, what all that includes is, is totally up to God. But here's the thing. We have to be willing to let God guide us. We have to let God choose the inheritance, if you will. In fact, it's so interesting that uh, we notice in even uh, uh, Psalm 47.4, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the psalmist made a statement there in Psalm 47.4. He said, uh, in reference to God, He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved Selah. And I'm telling you, the best thing that we can do as God's people is let God choose the place for us. Choose the path for us. But they didn't, they opted out. And, um, and we're going to see how that affected them in a negative way. 
Now, would you notice with me just a few ways that the Lord did this? And and again, I I I'm. I'm understanding here that we are all in a place in our lives where the the Lord is leading us and there's battles on each side. But how can we avoid falling into this trap, if you will, of being a borderline believer and just kind of resting on the eastern side instead of entering in where the Lord wants us to be? Would you notice with me, number one, if you're taking notes? That I believe one way that we can avoid this borderline, uh, being borderline believers is one thing that Bob Jones Sr. said, and this is, is so true. Let's let it just ring in our hearts tonight, but don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. In other words, think long-term. Think long-term impact on what God is doing in our lives because if we just focus on the here and now, green pastures, hey! Hey, it could be a good thing, but let's make sure it's of God. Make sure that the Lord is, is, is leading and making sure of that. I'll tell you another thing to keep in mind here. Number two is always keep in mind your impact on the next generation. Now, these these children of these tribes that we have noticed here will notice in First Chronicles uh, chapter five where these these children and all the generations were totally taken over by the Ammonites and the Moabites. They got them. And it was because they wanted to take that which was simplest, that which was quickest, that which was simply appealing to the eye, and they went for it. And certainly, it's going to cost them. And, and one of the things that we can learn from that is don't don't forget about how this is going to impact the next generation. In fact, we'll find in Joshua chapter 22 uh, the negative impacts as well. But number three, just because it seems right does not mean it is right. Sometimes something may seem right. But then it goes back to why don't we cast lots today as God's children? Why don't we cast lots We don't cast lots because we have the whole Word of God. Okay? We have the whole Bible. The completed revelation. Amen? The completed revelation we have. And then we also have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in you and me to guide us, to direct us. But we also have the power of prayer. Thank God for the power of prayer. Prayer is, is, is to use to guide our hearts and our minds and to lead us in our circumstances and to provide that power that is needed. God gives us the, the ability to pray, to seek the mind of Christ. That is very important because sometimes, even though it seems right, it may not be right. I, um, I'm not sure who said this. It may have been Spurgeon. But notice what how he defines discernment, and this is so important. Discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong 
Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. And the only way that we can do that as God's people is, is to be discerning. To, because it, it, just because it seems right doesn't make it right. And so I do believe that there are things spelled out super clearly in God's word. But those things that we're not sure about, we've got to seek the Lord and make sure that we have discernment. And, uh, and, and, and just let him lead us in that. We don't want to just end up on the east side of the victorious land because we didn't take the time to pray through and seek God's face in his word and through prayer. But then, as I mentioned already, uh, number four, to avoid being a a borderline believer, uh, let's just, just simply put it this way. Let God lead your path. Let him do it because he knows best. I don't know about you, but I am certainly thankful that I got somebody guiding me that already sees the future. Amen. I mean, does anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know what's going to happen two minutes from now. I know some of you look like you're going to fall asleep, but I don't know if you will. But no, we don't know. But God knows. God does know. He knows where we need to go. And therefore, I trust Him. I trust Him. I trust His leading. Because I trust that He knows best. But then five, and this is the one I'll close with tonight, is that I think it's important as we seek out being victorious and going into the land God has prepared for us daily, Victorious Christian living. We don't need to strive to be comfortable. We need to strive to be conformable. We don't need to strive to be comfortable, but rather we need to strive to be conformable to the Word of God, to the will of God. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 teaches us, right? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. For this is your reasonable service. And then what does he say? Be be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And be not made conformable to the world, but be ye transformed By the word of God. That's what we want. We want to be conformed and transformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look into the word, we will be conformed. We will be transformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some things that we go through in life that, quite frankly, are going to be uncomfortable. You know, maybe those tribes, when they saw just that all they could see was what was best for their cattle... But this is what's sad. I believe they chose cattle over their children. And it was it was an error that I believe uh, any of us can get caught up in. It was it was just the immediate. And instead of thinking about this, this the permanent impact that what I'm doing now. And I and I say all that to say this, you know, as we. Uh, think upon your life and my life, you may think, well, hey, 
what about these? What about the mistakes I've made and whatnot? Well, as I mentioned this morning, First John one nine, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we confess. And this is what I believe what God does in our life when we do settle for that which is easy, when we do settle for that which is just comfortable, when we forget about eternity and the permanent impact, when we don't keep in mind and we don't have discernment, you know what? We can come back and God forgives and God certainly gives mercy and grace. He restores. I'm thankful for that tonight. God can, 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 he's sovereign and he can restore that which has been taken by the locusts, if you will. He can do that. So don't be discouraged because God is able to restore that. As I mentioned, what that which is broken, God will take and mend and put together. But here's the thing. This is what you got to decide now. You're not going to stay on the east side anymore. And just determine in your heart, and I determine in my heart as an individual and as a church, we're not going to settle for mediocrity. We're not just going to settle, just strive, and let's just coast. Let's just play the church game, and we're just going to coast through this thing until we get the glory. No, friends, the Bible says, get in the land. Walk daily. Take what God has promised for your possession. See the enemy defeated. See lives changed and transformed and impacted by the, the power of God. That was Joshua's heart. That was his spirit. And I hope that it's ours tonight. As we think of the first three tribes, and I don't think it's an accident that these are the first, these are the two and a half tribes. They're mentioned very first, the very first ones. It's almost like, yeah, these three, these two and a half that on the east side, this is where their land is. And then the other nine and a half we'll get into uh, for the rest through chapter 19. And those are very significant as well. But tonight, would you join me in, in just saying, Lord, I don't want to be a half-hearted believer. Lord, I want to be all in. I, I want to be all in, Lord. And whatever that means, whatever that looks like, I'm going to trust you to show me. I'm going to trust you to give me discernment. But I'm not just going to just try to coax, coast through this Christian life. I want to strive. I want to be able to fight the spiritual warfare. And, and I, I want to be able to see the Lord Jesus honored and glorified in other people's lives. But I tell you what, there are no victories without battles. So whatever you're in right now for a battle, just say, Lord, I know you're going to do it. You're going to fight this. And I'm going to trust you. And he will. Joshua saw it. The children of Israel saw it. Through the Word of God, so many saw it. And you've seen it. You've seen it in your own life. When the Lord does it, <laughs> He does it right. I don't know if you're sitting there looking at the river this morning, uh, this evening, Jordan River, and deciding whether or not you want to give it all and just present it to the Lord and go through and trust Him. But I'm telling you, it's well worth it. God will make a way. And God will be honored. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. We certainly realize that, that Lord, that so many times it's, 
it's easy to get into the the coast mode. Just the hit the hit the cruise button and just sit back and not engage in the the battle you have called us to. Lord, we don't want to be half-hearted believers. And so, God, we yield to you tonight afresh, asking you to give us wisdom and discernment. How we can avoid missing being in the center of your will. And, Lord, I do pray for the, the, the believers tonight here on Sunday night service that you would encourage their hearts to realize that you are with them. And that your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, I pray that you'd help our church in the coming days to be strong in the power of your might. As Ephesians chapter 6 tells us. So Lord, we do at this moment just want to surrender our hearts afresh. Would you bless during this time of invitation? Would you help us to reflect upon what the Word of God has spoken to each of our hearts? And may the Holy Spirit have His will and way. I just want to encourage you just to spend some time in prayer right now.